0: Everybody good? Excited to be in church? As they used to say, it's better than the hospital or jail. Amen? I've been in all three, and this one's better. This is terrible, but, you know, I wasn't born born again. Does everybody understand that? And I still serve on uh, several boards, but one that I've always been a part of is Little League. And my kids played Little League, and uh, I was a a board member president. I still am a board member. And so every year they do a background check on everybody, which in the light of the world we live in, you have to do background checks. And so I always give my information, and I got my my report back, and uh, it comes back with something that I did in 1988. (laughs) I got a DWI in 1988, and uh, only thing everything I got caught doing we'll put it that way (laughs) accused and convicted are two very very different things yeah but not as a pastor amen this wasn't two weeks ago but it's just a little reminder to me every year because I forget about it you know it was something I was foolish and it should have never happened and uh you know I, I don't drink and I haven't had a drink in probably 28 29 years and uh You know, got delivered of it, but yet that reminder is still out there, you know, of something that I did in 1988. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do a background check? (laughs) But I'm kind of glad that it's there because every year I look at it and I just remember of the goodness of God. That what the work, the complete work that God has done in my life, I just, I'm just in tears sometimes when you sit back and you think, of where I was and where we were headed and, you know, what, what it could have been and the phone calls y'all could have received. I'm sure y'all several times, you know, the phone ring in the middle of the night and, you know, they prayed it was Troy and not me. But <laughs> Troy's my younger brother. I took a lot for them. I, they had good lives because of me because the attention was always on me. But uh, just to the goodness of God, amen. amen, the compassion of God that he has. And that even though, you know, we, we stumble and we, you know, even now, if you're struggling in an area, you know, there's healing, there's forgiveness. It's not too late. As long as you're still breathing, you're still in the game. It's when we haven't made decisions and we stop breathing that things get a little bit dicey. I don't want to stand before the Father and be like, well... I want it to be well done, my good and faithful servant, not just well. Amen? Thank you, Lord. I want to talk a little bit more about the compassion of God. I can't get away from it. Has this helped anybody in the room? Have you seen a a greater level of compassion? Have you given a greater level of compassion with other people? Are we a little bit more understanding? Are we a little bit more seeing something from somebody else's perspective? You know, a big part of compassion is even when we're right being gracious, and being kind. It is. A big part of compassion is even when we're right, is not making somebody feel any less of a person because maybe they weren't right that time. Amen? Compassion. It's something, it's a God. I wrote this down. Compassion is God's first responder. You know when a, when there's an earthquake, a fire or something like that, the first responders are the one are the, as everybody's running away from the burning building, the first responders running into it. And that's what God's compassion is. When everybody's running away from people, compassion is the first responder that's running back into that person. We don't run away from burning buildings, we run into them with compassion. We don't just give up on somebody. When everybody else gives up on somebody, we don't give up on somebody. Love believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. You'll never go wrong loving somebody. You'll never go wrong loving somebody. Even if they hurt you, you're free. You're clear. You've done your part. Amen. What they do, it's entirely up to them but we're God's first responders. We're the ones with compassion. We don't run away from hard projects. We run towards them. Jesus didn't shy away from the hard healings. Jesus didn't shy away from the hard words. And I'm going to show you today that it's just as much compassion to tell somebody the truth as it is to heal their body. It's just the same compassion. Both truth and healing can fix somebody. And so, when I speak the truth and love to somebody with compassion, I have the ability to bring healing to an area that they're suffering in. There's just as much compassion in telling somebody the truth and love as there is into healing their blind eyes because you're setting them free either way. Isn't that good? All right. I keep going back to my same set of scriptures, but Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And I'm going to get through this today. Not. I'm not going to get through this today. I'm going to try to get through this today. But Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and we've listed, if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, I've tried to list over and over and over all the times in the Bible where it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. How do you know if you have compassion? You're moving towards something or somebody. You don't just see an issue. You're moving towards it to help it, to fix it, to be a blessing, to help solve that problem. We as believers, guess what? We are the problem solvers in the earth today. Amen. Amen. Daniel was a problem solver where he was, and it made him become the, 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 vice, the president of a mighty nation. Amen. Joseph in prison was a problem solver. And when Pharaoh had a problem that was hard enough, he called for Joseph And he became the prime minister, all of Egypt. You and I are problem solvers through compassion. If we'll have compassion wherever we are, we can become the problem solvers in the place that you work, where you live. Amen. In you, you have the anointing of God. It's not just on the pastor. It's not just on a preacher. It's on each and every one of us. And in that, we have that problem solving ability. That's compassion. If I can fix something for you, that's compassionate. Isn't it? Yeah. So it's in us. So everywhere where it said Jesus was moved with compassion, but I'm gonna go back to just the one in Mark six thirty four, because I think this is where we are today. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd So he began to teach them many things. Now, it was important for Jesus to recognize that these people now had no shepherd. It is vital that sheep have a shepherd. It is vital that each one of us have a shepherd in our lives. Everybody in this room and watching online, guess what? We all need a pastor. We all were called to be a part of a flock. That's what our job is, is to be a part of a flock. Why is that? Because there's safety in being a part of the flock. Amen? I wrote this down. (laughs) The person that says, I don't need church, I study the Bible for myself, that is proof that you actually don't study the Bible for yourself. (laughs) to the person that says I don't need church I can study the Bible I can hear God offer myself that is perfect proof that you don't read your Bible for yourself because if you read the Bible what would you find out that each one of us was supposed to be a part of the body each one of us was created to be a part of the church I'm not here today making pigeonites I made all the pigeonites I'm gonna make I'm done We're here making disciples of Christ. Amen. He said, go into the world and do what? Make disciples of all the nations. That's what we're doing. I'm not making disciples for myself. See, I'm a franchise of Jesus and sons. And this is one of his locations in Houston, Texas. Amen. I work for Jesus and sons. And we all, he's got franchises all over the world. But guess what? I've never walked into a McDonald's and them try and offer me something from Burger King. They all, if you ever been to any McDonald's anywhere, what do they all serve? Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Ask me how I know. They all serve the same thing. You know when you're in a McDonald's. Okay. We'll talk later. I got corrected on my hamburger jingle. (laughs) So, I've never been into a place, every McDonald's is exactly the same all over the world. It's the same with Jesus and sons. We are all here making disciples for the kingdom of God. We're not drawing people unto ourselves. That's not my job, is to draw you unto me. My job is to point you to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You don't have to have a man interpret to you what the Bible says. Guess what, you can read the Bible for yourself, but you know what he does for his five-fold ministry? He gifts us with special gifts and anointings to preach and teach the word with instruction and correction. That's why you need a pastor for, amen? Aren't you glad that God doesn't just get you saved and you're now become self-taught in these things of God? Listen to me, if you're reading the Old Testament with us, This was an offering. I mean, I've never seen so many different offerings. You would not know to do that by yourself. We would not know what to bring. We would not know what to do. It took a man to write those down so that people knew for generation to generation to generation that came. Do you notice that everything that that first generation was taught in in the promised land, I'm sorry, in the wilderness, They had to then teach it to generation and generation after that so they knew what to do. It had to be such a part of them that it became a part of what they did in their culture that they were even actually to teach it and pass it down so it could continue until they came into the promised land. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Passing it down, passing it down, passing it down, passing down. Hey, let's pass down the goodness of God. Let's just set that right now, that from generations to come after this, we are always going to say that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is good. Amen. He's good. So there were a couple of scriptures that, One in Ezekiel 34, 5 says, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered Jesus recognized that if this flock did not have a shepherd that they were going to become prey for all the predators that were out there it's very very hard for a predator to attack an entire flock at one time they won't do it they're scared but what do they look for they look for the one that moves away from the flock that thinks i know better than the shepherd I'll go my own way. Did you ever notice that with Moses, that anybody that ever stood up to Moses and said, no, Moses, I want to do it my way. The earth opened up and swallowed them up and they died. Because God said, there's only one way. There's not multiple ways. There's one way. And so God knew, Jesus knew that when, now we all remember what happened prior to Mark 634, that John had been beheaded. His cousin that one that was the high priest at that time, the true high priest was John the Baptist. It wasn't Caiaphas. Does everybody understand that? The true high priest, if you go back and you look at the genealogy of uh, Zechariah and of Elizabeth, Elizabeth was from the household of Aaron. John the Baptist at that time was the true high priest. It wasn't Caiaphas. So even when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, the new high priest was always baptized by the old high priest before he took over. And when that woman with the alabaster box came and broke it over Jesus, it wasn't just doing it for his death. Every new high priest was anointed with oil. And Jesus became our new high priest. Amen. Everything in the Bible happens for a reason. Amen. It's in there for a reason. Jesus knew that if this flock scattered, that they were going to become prey to the enemy. That's why he got up and he had compassion and he taught them. He taught this great multitude about the kingdom of God to keep them together. So It says in Luke 9, 10 through 17, that Jesus did teach them and what he taught them. He taught them about the kingdom of God, and then he healed those who had need of healing. Jesus, when he was operating at his lowest point, his cousin had just been beheaded. He was deeply hurt by that. And what did Jesus do? He went out and he preached, and he healed everybody that was present. And then a few verses later, what did he do? He fed 5,000 people. Folks, that is compassion. Amen. Amen. That is compassion in action. Compassion in action. Praise the Lord we got through that one sheet. I am so glad I've been trying to get to that sheet for three weeks. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's talk about probably one of the greatest examples in the Bible about compassion. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. And this is the story about the Good Samaritan. Is everybody familiar with that story? We have been taught that story since we were very, very small in every elementary school that there is. And that is in Luke 10, 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? Can you just see him? Can you just see this conversation? This guy, all of a sudden, he's all puffed up. He makes his big declaration. And all of a sudden, he's trying to talk to Jesus, and he's trying to look good to Jesus. And so he's like, fine, Jesus, if you know everything, well, then who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus says, I'm so glad you asked. Who is my neighbor? It says the lawyer was trying to justify himself. The word neighbor... According to the teaching of Jesus, is any other man or woman, irrespective of race or religion, with whom we live or with whom we have a chance to meet? That's your neighbor. According to the teaching of Jesus, any other, any other man, irrespective of race or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet? That's who our neighbor is. So who do we have to be kind to? Remember I said last week, the minute that you and I got born again, we lost the right to pick and choose who we would love. I do not have the right to pick and choose whom I will, who I love. I will not pick and choose who I will be kind to. Amen? I'm kind to everybody. Amen? I don't just pick and choose the ones that look like me or act like me or who I think can give something to me. Come on. I got to love everybody exactly the same, exactly the same. I I wrote this down. Do you live in a neighborhood or a subdivision? A subdivision is just a bunch of houses in the same area together. But a neighborhood is where you and I have made outreach into our neighbors, our neighbors' homes, those that are around us, and are transforming that with love. I want to live in a neighborhood. Remember Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? Didn't we all want to go there? Right? We couldn't wait to get to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Why was it a neighborhood? Why wasn't it a Mr. Rogers' subdivision? Because a subdivision is just a bunch of houses all in the same area, but a neighborhood is where we have that word called community. Community is where we have this thing called koinonia, which is a love between brothers and sisters, where we care for each other, love for one another take care of one another look out for one another do you have neighbors in your neighborhood that look out for you that look out for your stuff i've been on vacation and got a call from a neighbor and said hey jack you got this going on thank you i was here not too long ago and the water uh, our water pipe burst uh, at our house i had a neighbor that called us and let us know that our water pipe had busted uh, thank you i mean that saved us in getting there and getting it fixed and everything that's a neighbor Amen. Why did that neighbor do that for me? Because we do that for them. Amen. We help each other. We bless each other. So Jesus says, let me tell you who a neighbor is. And he goes through the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase this. uh, There was a man, and uh, it's implied that he was Jewish, who was beaten and left for dead. And a priest walks by. And he sees this man that had been beaten, and instead of going over to him, he walks to the other side of the street and ignores him and keeps walking. And then a priest comes by, and a, I'm sorry, um, yeah, a priest comes by, and a Levite comes by and does the exact same thing. A Levite comes by, he sees where this man had been beaten, where he was bleeding, but instead of going over and offering aid, he goes to the other side of the street and just keeps walking, pretends like he doesn't see him. Ever been there? It's rough. But a Samaritan comes by. Anybody know what a Samaritan is? A Samaritan was from Samaria. A Samaritan to a Jewish person was probably about as far away as you could ever get from being good friends. A Samaritan was somebody that could not prove their genealogy anymore, that they were actually part of one of the ten tribes, the northern tribes of Israel. They had mingled and mixed with those that were around them, and they had lost their genealogy. They could no longer prove what tribe they were from. And for Israel, for a Jew, you were considered a half-breed. You were no longer allowed to fulfill any of the practices of the temple or anything like that. You were an outcast. But yet the Samaritan comes by, and he sees this man, this Jewish man, Beaten and left for dead. And instead of crossing over to the other side, he goes to him. He binds up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He sets them on his own beast. He brings him to an end. He took care of him and he left extra when he left for expenses. Verse 36, Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved himself to be a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? Which one was the actual neighbor? Well, of course, we would all say it was the Samaritan. Amen. The Samaritan didn't just look at this man beaten and left for dead. He actually moved with compassion towards him. Didn't just do a little bit, but actually brought this man back to full restoration and full manifestation. Folks, we were all that one beaten and left dead on the side of the road till Jesus. We all were crying out. We had all been beaten. We had all been robbed. Amen. We might not have felt like it, but that's where we were spiritually. And Jesus had compassion on us. And he came over to us. And he picked us up. And he bound up our wounds. And he put us on his own beast. And they took us to a good end. And then he said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a little while, but I'm going to leave you a little something, something, just so that you're okay until I get back. That's each and every one of us in this room. He had compassion on me. He had compassion on this good Samaritan. See, as I said last week, Jesus is not here anymore, move with compassion. We are. We're now his hands. We're now his feet. We're not waiting for Jesus to come and be moved with compassion and do something. No, 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 we are his hands, we are his feet. We're the ones that need to have compassion right now, amen? We need to be looking for opportunities to be a blessing to somebody. Don't you feel better when you're a blessing to somebody? Doesn't it feel good when you can be a part of a miracle or part of a blessing for someone? I mean, when you're there and all of a sudden this person has nothing and you're there and you've got everything and you can go, I'll buy that for you. You ever bought somebody's groceries? You ever done something randomly? I like to do it in Starbucks lines. I like to pay for the person behind me and they don't even know it or know me and just keep going. That's fun. It's fun to do that because they've just had a random act of kindness take place in their life. Now, if they order like 19 things, then I'm like, let's hold off on that a little bit. <laughs> but we have Compassion. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. I cannot boast that I'm this super spiritual Christian, but yet never produce any love or compassion for anybody or anything. I'm like a cloud that looks like it's going to rain, but it never does. I want us to remember this. When Jesus was um, going by the fig tree, Jesus looked at a fig tree from afar. He looked at that fig tree. It looked right, didn't it? It looked green. It looked like this was the season for figs. There should have been something on that fig tree. But when Jesus got up to it, there was no fruit and he cursed it. That's like me as a believer saying, I am a believer, I am a Christian, but there's no compassion in me. There's no fruit to prove it. We have to be producing fruit of the love that was shed for us by Jesus. There has to be an evidence, folks. There's got to be more evidence than just going to church. There has to be more evidence than me just wearing a Christian t-shirt. I've seen some of the worst things people have ever done wearing Christian t-shirts or a cross around their necks. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a decoration, it's just an accessory. What God is looking for is a circumcised heart towards him that when, who was it, was it Jonathan? Jonathan, we did something, I guess on TV a while back and it's about to air, but Jonathan made this statement. He said, I wanna be that tool in the toolbox that God can use anytime he needs. I wanna be in any situation and I wanna be that Swiss army knife that whatever situation I'm in, that God can use me for that. Folks, that should be the prayer of us all. We want to be that tool in His box that no matter what size, the screw, the bolt, whatever the problem is, that we're the tool that He can use to fix it. How do we get like that? Compassion. We have to make it a practice to practice compassion. I have to look for opportunities to be compassionate. Matthew 7.20 out of the New Living Translation says, Yes, just as you identify a tree by its fruit so you can identify people by their actions. Amen. A tree is known by its fruit. What kind of fruit are we producing? As a Christian, there should be love all over us. It's the first fruit of the Spirit. It's the very first thing we all get when we get born again. And you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to get it. You get the fruit of the Spirit right when you get saved. I have met some of the most people with the most love that had never got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they, they really focused on that first fruit of love, love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. Amen. We can become so highly developed in love that it doesn't matter what happens around us or it doesn't, happen, it doesn't matter what happens to us because my love for God is greater than the circumstance of what I'm going through at that moment. Because I know that God loves me. Folks, if we would just get a picture of that cross, and I, I, am, I am endeavoring over our Easter break, we're going to go into probably three Sundays where we're, we're leading up to Easter, but man, I want to paint a picture of that cross. I want us to all come to the realization of what really took place on that cross so that you and I could not just dress up and come to church on a Sunday morning, but that we might have this thing called eternal life. And eternal life is not a life that we're waiting to enjoy in heaven, it's a life that we can start enjoying right now. But what Jesus went through to get that eternal life to us, there's so much more, the cross is so much more than an accessory that I wear. It's a demarcation of where the world changed forever. It's where Jesus, God, stuck that cross into the ground. And all sin, past, present, and future, was dealt with. We're forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody glad you've been forgiven? Anybody forgiven in the house? If if heaven ran a background check, would you want everybody to start reading off your rap sheet? No, thank you, Lord. I've been forgiven. It's through the blood of Jesus. It's through that cross that I have redemption. One of my dad's favorite words, justification, just as if it never happened. There sh- we should be excited. We should be smiling. Amen. Of what the goodness of what God has done. Amen. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop early so y'all can go home and eat. And then you're going to come back. Because I'm taking a mental picture right now. No, I really do want you to come back tonight. Not, not for me. I don't care if I'm the only one in the room. I'm excited. Amen. I'm coming expecting of what God's going to do in this place tonight. But I do know that it'll be a blessing to you if you come, that, he will, uh, that there's a word that he has for us specifically as a church and for people in this room. And uh, we want to be a part of what what's going to happen. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. We don't ever like to end a, a service without giving you an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I can't think of a better time. I hope I've painted a picture of a God that's alive and that loves you. I hope you want to follow the God that I've met. I hope I've painted a picture of how good, of what he can do with a life. So if you've never made that uh, confession, if you're watching online, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it's very simple. All you have to do is just believe. So just repeat this with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I wanna know you, I wanna know you. Come into my heart, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, forgive me of my sins, heal me of my diseases, deliver me from my addictions. I ask for a hunger for your word to know you lead me to a good church a hunger for your word right relationships and peace in jesus name hallelujah amen thank you lord